Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Right here in Cincinnati. Welcome to glorious Cincinnati, Queen of Ohio's Alpine Ski Resorts. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I Cincinnati, the best town in Ohio, USA. At first they called it Cincy, but since Cincy is so natty, they named it Cincinnati, so they say. Hey, the girls are pretty, pretty in this gritty little city. Welcome to the Hunt for Reds October podcast. I'm your host, Coop, and we've got some people here to talk some Reds baseball, some other baseball, and all that good stuff with you. Um, first, uh, coming back on the podcast for the first time in some several months now is Hagai, our Washington Nationals correspondent. Hagai, how are you doing? Doing all right. Nationals are now 6-9. and nine. Not a very nice, nice record. And their beat writer, Jesse Doherty for the Washington Post, who's very good, um, he tweeted for some reason that he thinks it's really immature that people always respond to that with nice. And so, of course, he got at least two dozen replies of people just saying nice. Yes. Well, after this, I'm probably going to look that up and respond to that just because he, it annoys him. That Yeah, he, he should not <laughs> that, have tweeted that. <laughs> that is very on brand for you. Yes, it is. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we also have Branch on back with us tonight. Branch, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing better than the Reds are, so I'm doing all right. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we'll be we'll be getting into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we also have the sponsor of the podcast. Callie is on. Callie, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. You know who's not doing well is the Cincinnati Reds. Tonight, uh, this is Thursday night that we're recording. Uh, they lost nine to six to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Anthony Disclafani got absolutely lit up, and I just saw a few minutes ago, this is, I guess, some breaking news, that Tucker Barnhart said that he got worded that Disclafani might have been tipping his pitches, which would make sense with how much he was getting annihilated tonight. I mean, they were hitting just rockets off of him. Gave up nine runs in two innings, and then the bullpen out of nowhere comes up with seven scoreless, but nine runs is hard to overcome, so there's that. Can I blame the Cardinals on on this? Yes. Okay, good, because the Cardinals got the COVID thing going, and Pirates just got to sit around for three days and watch nothing but disco video. That's true. And and they figured something out because, you know, I mean, I'm I I wasn't watching. I was busy doing something, but uh, I was listening on the radio, and uh, it seemed like they were just on top of him every time he threw his fastball. Every time he threw the fastball, it was getting just yeah. lasers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Three home runs. Uh, the one, the one double hit off the top of the wall, or else it would have been gone. It makes sense that he might have been tipping his pitches. So hopefully, they can get their own video 
and see what he was doing. It doesn't take much, especially in the majors. All it could be is like a little flick of your wrist when you're in your windup or something, and somebody's going to catch something. And I don't, I don't consider that cheating. That's just gamemanship right there. I don't consider if somebody picks up a tip. <laughs> Hi, Sarah, in the background. Uh, somebody picks up a yeah. tip on a pitch. I don't consider that cheating. That's just that's just part of the game. Yeah. And Disco always does this. That he does a little something funky with the ball coming out of the glove that I've always noticed. And it might be something in there. I don't know. I mean, it's just he he puts the he puts the ball in the glove, takes his, his hand off the ball, then comes back to it. Hmm. And you know, I said I didn't watch tonight. Uh, I've got it recorded. I'll I'll watch at some point and. See if I can figure out what if there is a tip in there. Maybe something. Sometimes pitchers, it's it's with the breaking ball, right? Like they do something with when they do breaking stuff, and then mm-hmm. the kind of tip is then when they don't do it. Okay, you know it's heat, and you just sit on that. Yeah, a lot of times it'll be uh, like the grip in the glove. They'll they'll start to change it, and they like flap the glove, or they can mm-hmm. see the movement. So a lot of guys will because a lot of guys if like if say they throw a two seam fastball most of the time, they will grip the ball in their glove with a two seam grip and then when they're starting their windup is when they, you know, switch around to like a slider or something. You can see yeah, yeah, you'll see the elbow move. So what a lot of guys have done is they'll grip their normal grip and they'll just move their hand around but not change their grip so that they're not tipping that they're getting ready to throw, you know, a change up or a slider or something like that. But yeah, um I'm sure the Reds will find out what he was doing. Hopefully that's what it was. Not just him sucking ass because <laughs> that was awful tonight. <laughs> His velo wasn't down or anything. No, and no, pitched, and he pitches up in the zone. So no, his, his stuff was fine. It was just you know, getting annihilated. So, but but he was still in batting practice. That was for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> damn. Callie, your thoughts uh, about the pitching scenario? Yeah. See me. <laughs> hey, shout out Bill. I've had some drinks. Shout, shout out to Bill. Bill. Shout out Bill. Every week. No, that sucked. That was terrible. Hard to watch. In fact, I started to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia instead. Always a good choice. Great show. Makes you dumber for watching it. No, it doesn't make you dumber. It makes you laugh. (laughs) Maybe both. That's one of my favorites. That's that's in my top five, probably, shows of all time. That could be be an off-season topic, you know, but... No, not a, not a great pitching scenario today. No. Not great at all. But, like I said, the bullpen had seven shutout innings. Cody Reed pitched good. Judas came in and pitched well. And then <laughs> <laughs> Lucas Sims. <laughs> the guy, Judas, is Michael Lorenzen. <laughs> That's a long story. But uh, Michael, Michael, Lorenzen, like, Michael Lorenzen really loves Jesus. And... Uh, I think he's been letting Jesus down, and so I started calling him Judas. There we go. Now it makes sense. Jesus has abandoned him. Did you see who was it in the NBA said that uh, they'd be able to get their shot off over Jesus? And somebody responded, was like, yeah, he was 5'5". Five, five. Yeah. Yeah. I missed that, but that's pretty good. <laughs> shout out to Jesus. But yeah, so let's get into David Bell. He really pissed me off last night. The game against the pirates that he he just he overmanages i think at times the pinch running for vado is not the worst thing that he did last night but at the same time if there's a chance that vado's going to come up again 
you can't take him out of the game. He's going to get on base. And it bit him in the ass last night when Christian Colon came up with the bases loaded instead of Joey Votto. Why Christian Colon was batting and not Matt Davidson, that's another story. But earlier in the inning, he had Tucker Barnhart bunting. Tucker Barnhart, which he hit a home run tonight, so maybe that'll get him turned around. But Branch, if you don't trust Tucker Barnhart with the bat, why not just pinch hit for him instead of giving the Pirates an out there? Because you're David Bell and you're trying to show loyalty to your players, which I think that's his whole thing. Um, he's he's coaching right now like he's coaching a 10 and under all-star team that everybody actually has to get at least an inning or an at-bat in. And the worst thing that's possibly ever happened to him is have a 28-man roster. Um, I, I, I understand what he's doing with some of the matchups. Last night, the clone matchup, uh, yeah, makes no sense. Uh, don't pull out Joey. He shouldn't have pinch run for JBM there either. It was it's easy to say in hindsight, and I understand what, what he's trying to do, but how many games are we into us now? Uh, what, 13 or 15 or 16 or so? Oh, and they're, they're what, 8 and 11 now? Yeah, so okay, so 20. Almost 20 19. games, yeah. Yeah, So, and it's been biting him in the ass the entire time. Every time he goes knifey spoony with it. So it might be time to just let your best players and quit trying to get everybody on the bench time in the game. Well, and you know? to me, he's managing like he's managing a 162-game season, and you're not. You're you're managing like 40% of the games of a regular season. So mm-hmm. tomorrow when they play, it'll be a third of the season already over. You can't mm-hmm. You can't do this crap when – Every every game counts twice as much, if not more so. Yeah, and I've been pissed as hell about the whole Shogo thing. You've got to give him time to see these these pitchers. Yeah, and, and he's too good of a he's too good of a player to treat like a bench player or has been. You know, he's he he's going to see these players again, these pitchers again. You've got to give him a chance to do his thing. There's no reason not to. You and know. he made two great catches tonight, and what do you know? It was pulled in the yeah. seventh inning for yeah. Yeah, it's, Pervin. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm sorry. We thought Irvin was going to do all right with the with the whole, you know, platooning with Winker and this, that, and the other. And He's uh, Man, awful. he is. Oh, my gosh. People are bitching about Tucker. Holy crap. Irvin's got a lot of at bats, and he uh, this last week he's got a few less. But oh my gosh, he's been horrible, horrible. Callie, give me your David Bell thoughts. Uh, not great. Making a lot of. I don't know that he is aware that he does not actually have to do something every five seconds. Like he can just, I don't know, take a fucking seat and let them play the game. I don't know. Not a huge fan of David Bell. A guy from a distance. What what does somebody outside of the Red Sphere see when uh, when they see these David Bell and Reds highlights? Yeah, it's. I mean, the difficult thing I think for managers is one of the toughest balancing acts for managers is going between do you kind of stick to a game plan and show your players, okay, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to we're going to stick with it even if it doesn't seem like it's working because. That's how baseball is. There's ups and downs. You got to stick to the plan. And oscillating between that and just 
kind of going nuts and doing a lot of stuff like oh let's play the percentages here let's play the percentages there and i'm not really sure how a short season like it could kind of go either way with this crazy short season which way sort of makes more sense i think you just need a sense of what your players need and make sure that they have confidence in you and um I mean, certain situations like, I don't know, which inning was it when he pulled Votto for the pinch runner? That was, a, like the, was the seventh or eighth. Yeah. That, I mean, if it's before the ninth inning, I don't, it seems pretty stupid to pull your oh. best hitter for a pinch runner. Oh, like, if it's, I'm not sure it, there are any scenarios where that, if it's bottom of the ninth, if it's bottom of the ninth, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm on board bottom of the ninth, but right. bottom of the seventh, bottom of the eighth, there's, yeah, I know it's a small chance, but look what happened last yeah. night. It came, yeah. it came back to bite him. And Christian right. Cologne, all he had to, don't even get me started. I, I did not know he was that slow. He hit a slow grounder to third. They went around the horn and got him easily. When tonight, Jesse Winker, the, one of the slowest guys on the team, beat out a double play. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm still seething. I was still mad over last night that I couldn't even get all that mad tonight. Yeah. He's, he's definitely, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people want to fire him, and I understand that sentiment. I'm not going to jump on the let's fire David Bell thing as of yet because I understand he's trying to play the percentages. But, man, you pull your best hitter on a pinch run, and he's done this a couple times where mm-hmm. was it was like three, three or four nights ago he, he somebody was two for two and he pulled him in like well, the fifth or sixth. And it was like, why take? the hot bat out of somebody's hand because a matchup says it's okay. Well, we talked about on opening day when he pulled Castellanos in the sixth or seventh. And you Castellanos see, that shit hasn't happened again. Pissed. Yeah, you? it hasn't happened again. <laughs> I think How do you guys think? Got his, I think Castellanos got his fucking point across. <laughs> How do you guys think it affects things with the, the really short season, not just the short season, but the expanded playoffs too, where you only have to finish second to get in? Well, um, how do you think that affects the chances of somebody on a team that's not awful like the Reds? I mean, they have, if they kind of straighten things out, they could be right there for a playoff spot. Um, how do you think that affects the chances of whether a manager who may be kind of struggling gets fired or is there more incentive to say, let's bring someone else in because we may have a shot if we change the leadership at the top? Or is it more like, well, it's so crazy and so many teams have a shot. Let's not rock the boat too much and hope we get hot at the right time with this guy who's in charge now. Well, for me, if he doesn't make the playoffs with this team, with the expanded playoffs this year, I'm done with him. Yeah, for next year. But do you think it affects anything like even in season? Do we think there's like less of a chance that a manager I think with in the season because things are so kind of unstable think, for the whole sport? I think you're right there that with it being such a short season that unless a team absolutely completely tanks, I don't think anybody's getting fired. Even even from a team that would finish like twenty and forty, I don't I don't see a with the short season somebody being fired in season. I just my main problem. There's even the question then of like, does the new manager have to quarantine right if he breaks oh, yeah. somebody yeah. Yeah. outside? Just, There's I was so just much thinking about that. Like, what are you, of what are you and if you're gonna just elevate the bench coach, then like, what's the point? Right. Yeah. With this, with it being such a short season, I just worry about what he's gonna. If the Reds make the playoffs, what is he? What is his in-game strategy gonna be in the playoffs? Because if he's gonna do what he's doing now, that shit ain't gonna cut it. I, well, they're not going to make the playoffs if he still has some of these bench players to choose from. Right. And some of that is on Nick Kroll and Dick Williams. We used to talk, um, this is, you know, obviously before the podcast, 
when Dusty Baker was the manager, we would talk about having to Dusty proof the roster because Dusty would get one of his guys in there, like Skip Schumacher or something, and that guy's going to play twice a week. Bottom line, guaranteed, he's going to play twice a week. He's going to hit, you know, 180 and take 200 at-bats from somebody who really could use it. <laughs> I hate to – I'm sure Christian Clone's a nice guy. I'm sure Travis Jankowski's a nice guy. They just – they can't be on this roster right now. They can't. I would have Aquino and probably somebody like a Alex Blandino or something in their place. People who – Aquino, yes, he had a terrible September last year after having such a great August. But he can at least knock the ball out of the park on occasion. Yeah. Off it's, the not like Jankowski, it's not like Jankowski's Billy Hamilton. I mean, he doesn't disrupt. He's fast, but he doesn't disrupt a pitcher. Right. You know, I mean, if I, I could see some of it if, 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 you, if they still had Billy and were using him in a pinch running situation with nobody in front of him, let him just drive the pitcher nuts. You know, but I don't get it with the way it's been going. Have you all seen Billy not, with the Mets, by the way? Dude's got dreads yeah, the, and like a full he beard was now. third yesterday. <laughs> well, yeah, McNeil got hurt for the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> and they put him in. He was third in the he's, lineup. <laughs> he's got dreads and a beard. And it's like, Billy, that's Billy. And he got like a couple base hits. Good for Billy. Shout out to Billy Hamilton. Good for Billy. Courtesy of, uh, who was it yesterday? Maybe it was Annabelle Sanchez, and it got rocked. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, speaking of the Nationals, um, Juan Soto hit that ball almost out of city field. and He's he's had three 400-plus-foot home runs in the last few days. He had another one today. He had two that were, like, over 460 feet. (laughs) Yeah, that one yesterday – like the camera almost missed it because it almost went out of city field and I don't know if one's gone out of there yet. And it, that one almost did it. It hit the roof of like the second deck. It was, it was a shot. Yeah. It was insane. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I keep on having this feeling that a Juan Soto, Soto type player is what the reds are missing. You know, just something, someone that's so just good and young and enjoyable. I mean, Last year, what he did for the Nats at the end of the season and through the playoffs, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You talk about driving pitchers insane, you know. And it seemed like the rest of the team kind of fed off of it. I mean, never mind you had Max Scherzer throwing. It didn't hurt, but, you know. It's hard. Yeah, uh, he's he's, did... he's a great fit for that team. I mean, and his, his success story is he wasn't supposed to be called up that early. The top prospect they mm-hmm. had was Victor Robles. Yeah. And but when there were some injuries and they were going to bring Robles up, um, at that time Robles was also hurt. So mm-hmm. Soto came up two years ago and just started crushing the ball immediately. And he was so good so quickly that they had to keep him up. He's fun. I love him. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. <coughs> Tyler he, Stevenson. Yeah, shout out to Tyler Stevenson. <laughs> you know, have you guys seen? And this is about Soto. There was speculation, and I think he might be right, because, of course, he had the, the positive COVID test like a few hours before the season started. And he, he since has said, apparently, that he thinks it was a false positive. And I think he might be right about that, because yeah. nobody, nobody else in the team tested positive. And it was kind of forgotten, because immediately, like two days later, because when his positive <laughs> test came up, it was just before the opening game of the season and everyone's like oh my god baseball's in trouble they can't even start the season without somebody test one of the best players testing positive but then nobody else in the Nats did test positive but then like two days later was when the entire Marlins team 
yeah. the virus. And you've got them and now the Cardinals. So it, we've had these huge outbreaks among these teams screwing everything up. But Soto was this case of like, no, it was just this one guy on the team. So maybe it was a false positive. Yeah, and... Uh, There's a lot of false positives. The the rapid test seems to be the least reliable. Uh, the swab test seems to be where they shove it like and touch your brain, basically. Uh, those seem to be pretty accurate, but those rapid response tests that right because uh, the he, governor of he, Ohio had one of those too, a false yeah. positive on a rapid test. Well, Soto, I assume, had to sit because I think they just do regular ones. And like in, in some of the stories, they he went ahead and took some rapid ones, and those were negative. After oh, the okay. Positive. I see. But he couldn't come back until the regular ones that MLB administers, until two consecutive ones of those came back positive, came back negative, rather, over a few mm-hmm. days. But he only had that one positive right before the season. So maybe it was – and that, I mean – you know, it's, it's not 100% reliable. So maybe it did happen to him. And that raises the question of like, what ha- what if that happens going into the, you know, going into the World Series? Right. If one of the best players on the team test spot, like what if it's a false positive? It's a crazy scenario, but that is not at all <laughs> impossible. No, I mean, happens. the Cardinals have played five games while everybody else has played 20 plus. <laughs> right. What What is going to happen? Kelly, I want to get your thoughts on this. Five games versus 20, how are the Cardinals going to be able to play a full season? And if they don't, how would it be fair if, say, they played half the season but have a higher winning percentage and get in the playoffs over a team like, say, the Reds? I don't really know how they're going to make all that up. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that I think it's fair necessarily. They're, they're awfully behind, are they not? Yeah, they're, they're, they've, they're 15 games behind. Yeah, they so have, they have when, played two weeks. When are they going right. to make that up? And like, how are they going to? How is that all going to be arranged? Well, and today yeah, apparently one of their coaches tested positive for the first time. So, Ooh. what are they doing in St. Louis? <laughs> A guy, help me out here. What? <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> that, that is the 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 typhoid Mary team. I don't uh, know. What's going on there? I blame you. Surrounding all that, I think just like the like you were talking about the the false positives, and then um, I mean that's it's very questionable. And no, I don't know that it's necessarily fair that they're going to end up like once their roster is healthy, they're going to end up being able to play games. I don't know that I really get that. That's not not a thing. This is not even a real season. You can't be this far behind. And I mean the rules like that. I don't know. I also just hate the Cardinals. They're going to have to play like a double header like every day to try to make this every up. Every day. Right. And but is I, that necessarily fair to whoever they're playing? I don't think so. It's not fair to who they're playing. And no. it's like like Branch was saying earlier, the Pirates had three days off to prepare for the Reds. Somebody sat right. there and was watching video, and if they picked up something Disco was doing, where if they were coming off a game, maybe they wouldn't have had all that time to study as, as closely his his video that you know could it have been an advantage like if a team's a little banged up and oh well the cardinals are next on the schedule so you get three days off well now your guys are going to be healthy going into the next series and you might not even have to make those games up because you know who knows with what other diseases yachty's going to bring into the cardinals clubhouse (laughs) well mlb really needs to come out right now and say there's a minimum amount of games to be able to get into the playoffs and the Cardinals absolutely positively, ha- if they have a chance, if they're not going to be eliminated from the playoffs, 
They have to play every NL Central team the same amount of times as every other NL Central team plays each other. It's not fair if they don't. I mean, the 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 AL Central teams, okay, so they can get away with not being able to go beat up on you know Kansas City and and well the way the White Sox are playing the White Sox right now. Um, Detroit, yeah. but. Yes. Well, I, I honestly don't think Detroit's that bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but but it but it's based on your division, so they the, that has to be equal out because you can't say, oh, the Cardinals have a better winning percentage than say the Reds because this is the kind of shit that happens to Reds. Um, shout out to nineteen eighty one. Yeah, shout out nineteen eighty one. You know, you, they can't have a better winning percentage, but they only played the Cubs three goddamn times. Right. You know. Well, and even on top of that, there's a question. There's still the two wild card slots. And yeah. the wild card slots are more are a better thing to have, better thing to get into than they have in the last couple of seasons. Because now if you're in the wild card, you still get the opening three game series, just mm-hmm. like every other team does. You yeah. don't have just the one game to get in. It's even with everyone. So, yeah, I they play on Saturday. They play on Sunday. So if they win both those games, they'll have a better winning percentage than anybody but the Cubs in the NL Central. The Reds still haven't played any of their scheduled games, obviously, with the Cardinals. They got 10 games with them. So let's say yeah. it gets down to the end of the season and... <laughs> Five straight doubleheaders. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> how are you going to handle your pitching rotation if you're... Okay, well, we're playing the Cardinals three games. No, no, it's going to be six games. And see, you can't do you can't do that to another team in the division. Right, you just can't. So, okay, you need these games to make the playoffs. You run through your rotation. You run through your bullpen. Now you're starting your playoff series, and who are you gonna? Are you gonna throw Wade Miley out there to pitch? MLB really <laughs> needs to address this and get it done now. They need to. If they just set the minimum qualifier at fifty, the Cardinals might not make it. And then you know, so, then then you have the thing of. Well, if the Cardinals know they're not going to make it, or have their team going to right. out, nothing to play for. Yeah, right. The, then whoever went out and hooked up and brought the Corona back to the clubhouse, blame it on them. Fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they, they I mean, apparently went out to a casino or something. Something. I, they're saying they didn't do anything. The only good thing that's come out of all that is Mike Matheny on Matheny. Sorry, Mike <laughs> Matheny on I, I, Bill. I've been drinking. Um, Shout out to Bill. Yeah, shout out to Bill. Um, Mike shout Matheny, out to Bill. <laughs> Mike Matheny came out on on uh, satellite radio and was saying, "If you're not taking this seriously, then you're just being what was it asinine." He didn't use asinine, but asinine is what he meant. You're just being stupid or not. I think naive as to yeah. it is. It is a very serious thing, you know. Well, and so that's one. That's the only positive I can find out of the whole damn thing. And going back to that 1981 comparison, where that was the split season, and the Reds had the best overall winning percentage in the National League, but didn't make the playoffs because of how it was situated. Right. Even though it was an expanded postseason. Right. It was more teams getting in than ever before or since until the wild card era, but they still didn't get in. And the best of our record. The main difference there is that there wasn't, you know, a global pandemic where. A team like the Cardinals doesn't play for two or three weeks. And how do you handle <laughs> – I think Rob Manfred – well, first is a jackass. But baseball, like Branch was saying, you have to have some kind of plan. You can't just wait until the end of the season 
and the Cardinals still have 10 games to make up, and you're like, um, what are we going to do? we got to flip a coin? <laughs> I mean. That's, that's yeah. probably what's going to happen. That's the sad thing is, is it's liable to be that stupid. There was a little bit of uneven stuff in, in 81, one of the first half with the Reds missing out. It was they were behind. It was either the Astros or the Dodgers one half. Then the other half was the other team. I think the Dodgers in the first half. Uh, it was when the strike hit, it was half a game. The Dodgers, I think, had been first. They were like 36 and 21. The Reds were 35 and 21. So they missed out because yeah. of the uneven number of games. It was just an unfair thing. And the uh, the format they ended up deciding on after the strike was the two halves of the season, uh, the the two winners in each division of the two halves right. would play each other in division series. But they said that if the same team won both halves of the season from the same division, same team finished first in both halves, then the second place team in the second half would get into the division series. So that meant the teams that won the first half of the season or finished first in the first half of the season, they literally had nothing to play for yeah. because they were already in, but it was no benefit to them to finish first. So they could have done it where like, well, if you finish first, both halves, you get a buy into the league championship series, but they didn't do that. And I'm not really sure why, because back then it's not like the TV money was such a huge consideration. I wouldn't think they obviously no. wouldn't do that now because every playoff game is massive money. You can't skip playoff games. But back then they could have done that. They didn't. And so there were all these teams playing the second half that literally had nothing to play for, which is kind of dumb. I mean, there were no really good answers, but they did not pick a very good one. Well, and you hit on you hit the nail on the head with uh, money in terms of today. Why is there expanded playoffs is money. Yeah, and the whole season is because of that. But right. Oh, yeah. With, with I mean, with the 81 thing, though, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because – and. With all the chaos, like we've been talking about with the number of games the Cardinals are playing, maybe that's going to screw everything up. But my sense is if we get through the regular season without things being too bizarre or messed up, and we get to the playoffs, and the playoffs actually happen and kind of come off without much of a hitch, my sense of are people going to think of this season as a legitimate one in years to come, whoever wins it all, is that going to be considered as a legitimate title? I think the 1981 precedent actually says yes, that people will kind of forget and it's hard to think of that now and we're in the midst of it. And certainly with the pandemic and no fans in the stands is much crazier than a strike, you know, split up season. I mean, that's a really nutty thing that people are not going to forget about that. But looking back on 81, which was crazy and had these stupid formats and the strike split it in half and all that stuff. But nobody goes back and says, well, the Dodgers winning the World Series that year, that doesn't really count. That wasn't a real season. Or that the other thing people remember about that year is Fernando Mania. Yeah, his Fernando Valenzuela's rookie year. Nobody says, yeah, but asterisk on that. It wasn't a real season like that. That counted. And no. nobody says it doesn't count. So and with the, the NFL, with the, the various strike shortened seasons that happened a couple times in the 80s, even the season when they had the scabs in 87, nobody says eh, that season. Not so much. Those Redskins Super Bowl titles don't count. So I don't think people assuming we get through the season. I mean, it's weird and it's kind of dumb and they're doing things poorly in a lot of ways, but. I think a title's a title. I don't think people are going to look back on it and say it doesn't count for whatever reason. No, I agree with that, that a title. The a Astros title. sure as fuck think a title's a title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. And, yeah. I mean, just like the 2013 Basketball National Championship was vacated, I think it's, I think that uh, it's right and uh, good to say that there was no champion that year. Shout out to Jer. <laughs> um, Callie, I wanted to get your thoughts. Speaking of 1981, Mario Soto and Tom Seaver at the top of your rotation. Imagine those two guys in the playoffs if they would have been able to make it. I mean, Mario Soto, at, let me just look at the numbers here. Tom Seaver had a 140 ERA plus in 1981. 
I mean, this was peak Tom Seaver. And a lot of people don't want to not win the Cy Young. Right. Because of Fernando Mania. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I just think of those two guys at the top of your rotation. And I mean, you still had, you know, Dave Concepcion and George Foster was still with the Reds and Dan Dreesen, Ken Griffey. They could have, I mean, we could have been talking about the tail end of the big red machine having one last championship. Kelly, 1981, we're building the store. Guys like Mario Soto and Tom Seaver, what you got? All kinds of goodies. you got to come in and check it out. All kinds of stuff. Um, and about the title this year, I mean, I agree. I think a title's a title. It's definitely a weird season. It's not, nothing's normal this year. Nothing. So, I don't know. If the Reds happen to win, I'm going to count it as a, a title. I'm going to be happy about it. But I mean, it's definitely strange. But I don't think anybody's going to look back and be like, well, they didn't really win. So. Sorry, I'm lost in stats from 1981. George Foster, oh my god. He had an amazing... Fucking beast. 150 OPS plus, 22 homers and 90 RBIs, and he, what was that? Just over 100 games? Beast. Yeah. If only. George Wills. Johnny Bench had eight home runs that year. Look at Johnny Bench. Shout out to Johnny. Shout out, Johnny. <laughs> okay. So let's get back into, we talked about it a little bit last week, the the quote-unquote Nazi salute from Ryan Christensen of the Oakland Athletics. Now, when when we were recording last week, it had literally just happened when we were recording. So we didn't really have all of the uh, reaction and all that. The team came out pretty quickly and said, no, he was not meaning this. He was meaning to do like a karate chop or something. Hi, guy. Not to put you on the spot here, but what were your thoughts on that whole situation and the rush to defend this guy from not only just the athletics, but a lot of the media in the Bay Area came out to defend him as well? Well, well, I might surprise you here because I want to go over the statement that he made. I kind of waited until I saw what, what they had to say and what he had to say specifically. So as a bit of throat clearing, as some may guess from my name. I am indeed a uh, member of the Jewish people, uh, originally Israeli. My family is originally from Israel. Um, so I was kind of shocked when I started hearing people saying, like, baseball coach made a Nazi salute. <laughs> like, what the hell's going on here? But then once I saw a little bit of what happened and then saw his statement. So I want to read the statement he made. I'll pull it up here after. Uh, get my tab open. Okay, um, there we go. All right, so here is what Ryan Christensen said, the full statement that he made uh, maybe the next day. <clears throat> I made a mistake and will not deny it. Today in the dugout, I greeted players with a gesture that was offensive. In the world today of COVID, I adapted our elbow bump, which we do after wins, to create some distance with the players. My gesture unintentionally resulted in a racist and horrible salute that I do not believe in. What I did was unacceptable, and I deeply apologize. So that's his statement. Okay, now what I want to say about that is that that is a really good apology. I think that's about as good an apology as you can make in a situation like this. The reason I say that, the main reason is when you look at what he's really saying in that statement or what it's about, he makes the statement entirely about what he did. Nowhere in that statement does he say any of the 500 different stupid ass covering things that everyone else who apologizes for stuff like this does. He doesn't say, 
I'm sorry if you were offended for the first thing. He doesn't make it about the people reacting. And he also doesn't say, this is not who I am, or I don't have a racist bone in my body, or those who know me know blah, blah, blah. He doesn't make it about himself or who he, quote, is. He makes it entirely about what he did, and he unequivocally apologizes for it. And he unequivocally characterizes it as what it was, which was racist and offensive. So when I saw that statement, I thought, I think this guy gets it. I'm actually okay with how it happened. And after I saw the statement, part of the controversy originally was, as the footage showed, he was doing it, doing the salute. And then somebody, uh, afterwards it was, maybe it was Liam Hendricks, the A's pitcher, who said mm-hmm. afterwards, like, what the guy said. Maybe he was the one who pulled his arm down. Um, so the player, Hendricks, I think, pulls his arm down. And then you see um, uh, Christensen sort of like, doing a sort of like, you know, face palm kind of thing. And then he turns around and he does the salute again briefly. So that was part of people were like, what the hell? He did it twice. What's going on there? But some of what they were saying afterwards is Hendricks maybe in Christian's room, someone else was saying like, okay, so the guy pulls, the other guy pulls his arm down a bit. And then Christensen sort of responds like, oh, is that what I was doing? Or something like that? And sort of face palms. And then does, turns around, does it again. So I think the explanation he would say there is like he didn't realize what he was doing and then once it was pointed out to him he's like what is that what i was really doing is that what i was really doing and then he sort of like to convince himself was that really what i did he sort of briefly does it again like oh yeah that's that's right i was doing it so that's the the generous read of it but given the statement that he made i i believe that i actually think that's okay because there's so many different ways he could have said, like, this isn't who I am. I'm not racist at all. Don't call me this. Don't call me that. Like, he didn't do any of that. He owned up to it. So yeah. I think that's okay. No, I agree there that he he owned it when he made this statement. I, I completely agree with that. When you just watched the video, and that was like when we were talking about it last week, we had all we had was the video. And when he did it the second time, it was like, oh, so like cringeworthy. Yeah, just I mean, the video looks crazy. Yeah, but sometimes once in a blue moon, in the context, you know, and I mean, in this, like, when they're standing in the dugout and high fiving each other, like, is that the time when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're going to do a Nazi salute? It's just <laughs> strange. I mean, like, other scenarios, like there was some in some of the recent protest, the Black Lives Matter protest, counter protest. There was, I forget where it was, some city where some people posted video of there were these proud boy or whatever racist d-bags showing up and some of the cops were right across from them and then this one cop suddenly does like you know the lower like the 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 sort of reverse okay simple or whatever it is oh the white power thing white supremacists yeah. do yeah the white supremacists do to each other now so i don't know what the follow-up on that was but that's a situation where clearly if that cop tried to deny it like no 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 these are nazis right across from you you clearly are doing this gesture that you know what's going on here with them. You know who those guys are. You know what it means. Like, there's no deniability there. You can't say in that scenario that, oh, I didn't know what I was doing or I was just doing something irrelevant. Like, get it. But in this scenario, like, high-fiving after a win, like, why, is, why the hell would somebody just come out with a Nazi salute? It's just so strange. So, I mean, the guy is obviously not the brightest bulb in the, right. in the world. Like, to do that and not realize what you're doing, like, what's wrong with you? That's very ignorant. But his reaction, I mean, 
I don't think it gets any better than what he said. Like, I can't remember anyone apologizing in any way for something like that that was actually more what should be in the apology. I think he did it 100% correctly. So what you're saying is that for the first time in 2020, somebody actually attempted to rectify a situation thoughtfully. <laughs> yes, I, I think so. I mean, I'm kind of, I mean, in a sense, I'm giving the guy the benefit of the doubt because I, you know, I, I mean, obviously I have no idea anything yeah. about him. I don't think any of us know anything about this guy. Um, so in one sense, it's like, well, I don't want to just assume someone I know nothing about is a hardcore racist or anti-Semite. On the other hand, there's also the like, well, I don't know who you are. All I know is what you did. And what you did obviously was, was a horrible thing and a horribly offensive thing. But the fact that he owned up to it completely, I'm like, you know, I don't think I can criticize anything about this aside from like, well, you were dumb and you did and you shouldn't have done it. But he owns that. So I don't know. I'm, yeah. I think this is how you're – and I think the thing to take away from it, the reason I wanted to – another reason I wanted to bring this up, the broader point here, not just him, but for everyone in all these scenarios, is if something like this happens, if you have to apologize for something – the way he shows it is the central point is it's about what you did. It is not about who you are. Those who know me would never say, get, get, shut up with all that. Yeah. That's irrelevant. That's covering your ass. That has nothing to do with anything. That does not matter. I, I don't give a shit who you are or what your family would say or what your friends would say. Does not matter. What matters is what you did. And oh, absolutely. That's what the apology has to be about. And he didn't try to make it about anything else. And he was right to do it. Yeah. And I know for just speaking for me that I, I assume the worst just because that's how 2020 has been. And <laughs> You're usually right. Look, <laughs> look around. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. look around at like all of the, you know, just the madness going on in the country yeah. and the world right now. And, yeah, I assumed the worst, and I was like, "Oh, we got a Nazi on the Oakland Athletics now." And well, so the Nazis are not ashamed now; <laughs> they are not hiding. Oh yeah, what, this is not like we're winking at each other. It's out in I, the open. I had a problem with him doing it twice. That just that was, oh my gosh, dude! I mean, everybody that's, has a brain fart every now and then, but the twice just killed me. That's that what I got hardest, hung up on too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and then. Honestly, a guy listening to your very reasoned response and how you pay attention to it, that's it's pretty nice. I mean, yeah, what is this wow. reason on the podcast? <laughs> <When> you, <laughs> reason and common sense, common sense and intelligence on the wow. podcast. Come on now, <laughs> somebody tell a dick joke. <laughs> doing it twice is is certainly the toughest thing when you watch that video. Like, that's what, what she what, said. What, no, what yeah, when like, he turned around and did it again, I was like, fuck him, what. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. But yeah. I think that in the light of what he said afterward and the explanation he gave, given that I given that his apology was so direct and was so, I think, um, uh, was so correctly uh, given or correctly written, um, I think that means you give him the benefit of the doubt. And it also, I mean, there are scenarios, it depends on who you are, too, in situations like this. If you're a coach or an athlete, well, I mean, not that there's any excuse for not knowing that doing Nazi salute is horrible. But if you're a coach or an athlete, like, okay, you're not dealing with stuff like this day to day. It's not like you're a um, someone who's in public office or even someone who is um, a figure like there was another thing in recent weeks. The I think the head of the Philadelphia NAACP posted some really terrible anti-Semitic cartoon 
um, with part of the whole like Deshaun Jackson and you know Stephen Jackson said yeah. these terrible like things, and this guy was posting some like, well, these people are going to come after you unfairly, and posted some thing with like really awful anti-Semitic stereotypes, and when he was called out on, he was like, oh, I apologize, I didn't know that this was offensive, and I. No, 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 that you don't get you to knew, say You that. knew that shit. Maybe somebody else, maybe, but not you. You are an official with an organization that fights racism. There's no excuse. So someone in a position like that, the only thing they can do, which he has not done yet as of this point, the only thing you can do there is just go away, just resign. Like there's no coming back from that. You, you have a responsibility to know. But if you're in one of these other positions, like I, I think if you say the right things after, like, well, I think you can get your way out of it. I mean, I don't have yeah. a problem with what happened there. An interesting take in it was um, uh, Cody Decker talked about this. So he, um, uh, he I guess, has this radio show with uh, his far more famous wife, which is Jen Sturger. Didn't, wasn't, he a, uh, wasn't he a pro player, though, for a yes, little bit? he was a career yeah. minor league. He was called yeah. up like once with the Padres. But he's big on Twitter and has some, some public following, so he's, his name is around a lot. And he, unbeknownst to me until this happened, he is also a fellow member of the tribe. And he talked about how what bothered him about it was that it brought back a lot of um, for him. He had a lot of experience. And I guess it was almost entirely in the minors of he faced a lot of anti-Semitism. And it came from this kind of ignorant sort of place, like some evangelical Christians just saying like, oh, well, you know, you all were Jesus killers. Right. Or questioning like, what's this Judaism thing? Why don't you accept the savior? Or like really just insensitive jokes about, yeah. you know, anti Stuff. So he had to deal with that a lot. And so he, for him, it just brought that back. And he said, he actually said, um, uh, there was this clip, TMZ Sports talked about it. And he said he did think the apology was good and that he, he more or less accepted it. But he, he just thought there should be some more like a suspension and some mandatory, like you need to get educated about this stuff is what he wanted to see. And I mean, I, I understand where he's coming from there. And he's coming from the perspective of he personally experienced so much of that around pro baseball in a very negative way that he thinks that, that it's a cultural thing in the sport that needs to be addressed more. So I certainly understand where he's coming from there. There seems to be um, and, <laughs> a lot of, you know, I hadn't heard about that much and you don't because there haven't been that many Jewish baseball players. I mean, there's been a, certainly some big name major leaguers, but mostly few enough that you, most people know who all of them are like Sean green and Kevin Euclid. Right. And you, you know, like I Sandy see, Koufax and what like going back a it yeah. seemed like the only time that became a big deal was always around Yom Kippur. And right. somebody would spout off on a radio show like, oh, why are you taking a game off for Yom Kippur? <laughs> <laughs> you know how you know a lot more yeah. than me, obviously, how yeah. that goes. So. <laughs> but within, I thought it was something I had not heard of much before, but that I unfortunately had no trouble believing was was decker talking about the culture within clubhouses as he saw it um at least in the minors was there was a lot of um ignorance and a lot of nasty stuff he heard and he said in part it was because people didn't know he was jewish with his name it wasn't obviously that it wasn't something that people would immediately pick up on so he would hear stuff of people saying stuff not knowing who they were around yeah oh yeah that's got to be i can't even imagine having to because like 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 you're saying, what, what's he gonna what's he gonna speak up in front of like forty people and they're gonna turn and look at you like for, like why are you offended kind of thing, right? Yeah, America, yeah, America. Callie, how many Nazi salutes have you seen in your store? 
None. I'd kick the shit out of somebody for doing that in my store. You can't do that in my store. I don't have that many rules, and that is. But the one rule. The one rule is wear a mask. No. Wear a mask. Yeah, you do have to do that. Where was you're it? You're not was... allowed anywhere near the bathroom. That's another. Rule no, I'm going to blow the shit you. out of your bathroom. I'm going to blow no, that thing up. You are not. You are not allowed. I'm going to get in there. Not allowed in it. I'm going to jimmy the door shut and lock it. I'm going to just freaking unload. We're going to have like an Epcot situation in there. Callie will okay, burn that whole I'll damn building down. Callie, you'll burn the building down, won't you? I'll simply put something against the door and lock them in. I'll go, I'll go through the drywall. I can do that. No, I'll just lock you in your own little shitstorm. <laughs> you foul, foul man. Is there a fan in there? An exhaust fan? I'm disconnecting it. Oh, see? So that's a yes. <laughs> that way I don't... Stay out of my bathroom. <laughs> Just touch things. Coop-proofing the facilities. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks she thinks I'm joking. I'm going to blow the shit out of that bathroom. No, <laughs> I don't think you're joking. I'm pretty sure you think I'm joking when I say that I'm going to like lock your ass in there. I'm Coop. not joking. Coop's going to walk in... Walk in. Coop's gonna walk in there, turn the alarm on, and then leave. And then when you try to get out, it's going to set off a motion sensor, and the cops are going to come arrest you while you're shitting. <laughs> Coop's going to walk in with a White Castle cup when I just finished eight sliders. See, I actually don't really <laughs> like White Castle, so I'm going to go with Taco Bell. I'll, I'll, get, Taco some, Bell I'll get some Taco Bell and go in there. Taco Bell is delicious. It's delicious. And if anyone wants saying. to come visit the store anytime, I would like a cheesy gordita crunch with no lettuce. Shout out to Taco Bell. Shout out Taco Bell. Shout out to Uncle Ram at Uncle Ram. Shout out Ram. I Shout out to Ram. Ram. Hey, you want to answer some listener questions now? Yeah. So I uh, sent out the uh, signal for questions asking people to use the hashtag Christian Cologne Cleansing. <laughs> the first question comes from Bill, and he did not use the hashtag. Great. He he asks, how many Hunt for Reds October podcasters slash guests have cutouts at Great American Ballpark? I do not have a cutout because they're like $75 and I'm poor. Yeah, I'm too busy spending that on booze bill. Sorry. <laughs> Branch, you got a cutout? No. Uh, Sarah asked if I wanted one and I told her it'd be cool, but it's 75 bucks. Just buy me some beer. <laughs> a guy, you got one at uh, Nationals Park? I do not. Um, yeah, that seems like a bit of a waste of cash, but. I mean, for people who are willing to do it, it is kind of, it is a fun thing. I think maybe it started in, what was it, South Korea, where they first started yeah. doing it? When they yeah. first opened and they didn't have the fans in, they brought in a bunch of the, the cutouts. So that is a pretty creative, fun way for people to get involved. Now, the good news with with the money. Except was, when they did, like, the sex dolls. That wasn't so great. No. I mean, shout out to Phil. I mean, speak for but, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that, with, at least with the Reds, going to the Reds Community Fund. So it is going to a good cause. But it's still at seventy five dollars. Oh, does that get you like a season for the whole season, or for only one game? No, I think it's for the rest of the season because they like okay. they like zip tie those things to the seats, and right. the red the Reds don't really have them in the outfield. It's it's mainly just along the baselines. Some I forget who it was has has them in the outfield, and somebody almost had their head knocked off by a home run a couple like a week ago. <laughs> Which I was is it like, different prices for the seating like cheaper in the outfield than right behind home plate that i'm not sure of i just heard the the 75 dollar thing i don't and i don't know how other teams are doing it either but 
basically I don't know anything <laughs> except at seventy five dollars. Hey, Bill has another question. Which ball players? Shout, out, Bill. shout out to Bill. Which ball players at Prasco would you have on the twenty eight man roster, and which players on the t- current twenty eight make the least sense? We kind of touched on that. The least sense is Cologne and Jankowski, and then uh-huh. I think Aquino and Blandino, um, or or Tyler Stevenson. If you know you want to put Tucker back on the paternity list or something, uh, branch of the Prasco players who you think you would want on the roster. Uh, Aquino and uh, Tyler Stevenson. Um, I want to see Tyler on. There's things that Tucker and Kurt do really well, and there's things that they don't do so well. They don't hit all that great, but they do handle the staff well. They go through all that. You know, they spend a lot of time working with the pitchers, getting a game plan, going through everybody's lineup and everybody's bench and no one knowing what's coming. And I think that would be a good exposure for Tyler Stevenson to see that process this year. And especially with both of them, and he's going to get to catch bullpens and, you know, get to know some of the pitching staff that hopefully someday he's going to be catching in, you know, games that count. And it sure as hell wouldn't hurt to have his bat off the bench every now and then, you know, oh, yeah. what we have had, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Just saying, I, you know, you got the you got the twenty eight man. So, yeah, technically you'd have four catchers on your team, but I don't think Farmer's going anywhere but shortstop and second base for a while. Yeah, which is probably smart, you know. Well, and speaking of handling staffs, Kelly, what do you think? <laughs> That's a little rude. How rude? How extremely rude. I don't even remember the question anymore. I'm okay, sorry. No, that's fine. Um, a guy, just for your information, Prasco Park is where the Reds are doing their like satellite minor slash oh. minor league thing. Uh, right. The question. It's just a park and in Stevenson. Mason. Yeah, Stevenson and who? Kelly Stevenson. Oh, okay. That's just who I. That that's like the one that I really think should definitely be on our uh, on our roster. But um, I mean, I could I could definitely see. Aquino and Blindino also, but I really like Tyler Stevenson. Yeah, I'm hoping that in 2021 he gets a real shot at uh, being on the roster from opening day. I, I just think he's got tremendous potential. And not just because he had that great one game where he didn't even start. And I think I read somewhere he still leads the the Reds in like functional war or something because of that game. But <laughs> I don't know. I He just has a lot of potential. What do you do? You guys think the weird, all the weirdness of the season can affect who you pick for the expanded roster? Like when you play double headers, it's only the seven innings, right? So in a sense, you don't need as many relief pitchers because the games are actually shorter. Well, and, but you and, may have like a crap load of double headers coming up, and then you are going to need a lot of pitchers if a whole bunch of games get canceled. So maybe you want some guys to have gotten some innings in to to be ready for a situation like that. So I don't know well, if there's any sort of obvious one way or to go with one way or the other to go with it. It's the combination of both the seven inning double headers and the what I call the gimmick rule of extra innings of starting the runner on second base so that the game doesn't go like 16 innings right which it worked out for the Reds the other night but I don't know that that's the one rule change for 2020 that I'm not the biggest fan of just because it's not natural to me I mean yeah it's fair because both teams have to do it but I don't know just just something doesn't sit right with me about that 
but yeah yeah so next question comes from joshua who uh <laughs> you mentioned earlier a guy he asks uh, hashtag christian cologne cleansing as he always does in his uh ootp league to give more cities teams there can only be one team per metro area it's easy to eliminate the mets and angels but who goes between cubs and Sox? both have 120 plus years of history so if you were to eliminate one team out of the large metro areas so like new york and chicago and la cubs or white Sox? who do you eliminate i think that's actually pretty easy and that's the cubs because fuck the cubs yeah Fuck the Cubs. Yeah, does anyone really have strong opinions about the White Sox, aside from White Sox fans? Like, I don't think anyone else really hates them for any particular reason. No, I mean, the only, I mean, you have the whole Black Sox thing, but that got the Reds a World Series, so I'm okay with that. The other teams who could be their rivals, like, don't really care that much about them, right? Like no, Cleveland they... And Detroit and Minnesota, I mean, who really, like, there's, gets fired up about Yeah, they don't really have, like, a bitter rival other than the Cubs, obviously, because that's who they right. will do in the... And that's just more because they're in the same city kind of thing. But in terms Little of... brother. Right. In terms of their division, it they don't really have, like, a... I mean, I could be wrong, speaking from the outside, but I don't see them as having, like, a bitter rival. Like, like, the, like the Red Sox and Yankees are, like, bitter rivals or... Like the Giants and Dodgers are pretty big rivals, that kind of thing. I, I don't see the White Sox having like a natural bitter rival. I could be wrong. And just to piss off any Cubs fans that might might actually listen to this podcast, which probably doesn't happen, but uh, they also have more World Series than the Cubs, so they they get to stay by default. Oh, I forgot the uh, the Bay Area Giants <laughs> in Oakland too. <laughs> That's another kind of combined metro area that has two teams. Oh, God, move Oakland to Portland, please. I bet if they move anywhere, it's going to be Vegas. Yeah, it probably is. But just Vegas is going to get them have, out of that damn hellhole. Vegas is going to end really up is. with every major league team just because it's Vegas. And they've got the money to build. I mean, they, they built the massive stadium for the Raiders. They could build a baseball stadium. They could build a soccer stadium. They've yeah. already got the I hockey mean, hockey's, team. Yeah, hockey's been a big hit there. Oh, yeah. it's been so, huge, and I think that's obviously, obviously a big road trip destination. Everyone wants the virus ends, or right. unfortunately, it still is for a lot of people, even with the virus going, which is probably a big reason why it's still going in the country. And, and the to Vegas and getting infected and bringing it back. The NBA already plays their summer league games there, so that's a natural fit too. I, I could just see within the next ten years that they're going to have a team in every major sport i think that's just me i've actually never been to vegas so it's a good time i've heard yeah i've heard it's i've heard it's a nice it's a nice little drunken getaway i had a stripper smack me there well (laughs) (laughs) all right now we gotta hear that story for for quoting a bible verse oh thou shalt not no never mind I was up there. We were all Marines. Went up there for a, a Marine buddy was getting, you know, hitched in Vegas, and we were out for the bachelorette party, and we're, you know, out of titty bar or whatever. And um, you know, the stripper comes crawling over. You know, we're throwing dollar bills on the stage and you know doing the thing, and so I'm crawling over, and she sticks her cleavage right in my face, and I was just like, I don't know, I was kind of drunk. I was like, oh ye. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. She hauls <laughs> off and smacks the. Fuck out of me. 
<laughs> and all my friends are laughing their ass. I'm like, what the hell is that for? She's like, I'm trying to be sexy and you're trying to be funny. And I'm like, well, shit, I don't know. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I mean, she left a big old whelp and everything. Knocked the hell out of me. Shout out to Michael Lorenzo. You just said the good word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was an uncomfortable it. situation to begin with. <laughs> she couldn't throw in a Semper Fi, right? Right, I know. I, I, something. I Hitting you across the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that couple got divorced like a year later. Sounds about right. <laughs> oh, man. Soccer, I miss pity bars. <laughs> Hey, it happens apparently a lot now. So, anyway, Kyle Kapler has the next question. Hashtag Christian clone cleansing. If clone was an actual clone, what scent would he be? I would say eau de toilette. He'd be Axe body spray. <laughs> apparently, I pissed people off last night when I said that uh, the only good thing that clone <laughs> produces is shit. I thought it was funny. Thank you. You're uh, I'm sure Christian Clone's a nice guy. He was the hero, one of the heroes for the Royals when they won the World Series. So I'm not going to. Honestly, it's not even his fault that he was in that position. His manager is the one who screwed him there. So shout out to David Bell, who will be the Tom Brennan Memorial Cornhog of the Week without any other nominations because he pissed me off so bad. And that's all the questions we had. Um, so that'll probably wrap up this edition of the podcast. We'll go around the room here, have everybody give their final thoughts, and the guy, give me your final thoughts of the week. I was going to have a Cornhog nomination for the apparently coordinated talking point that all of a sudden came up, maybe around a week ago or so, of with college football, with arguing over whether it should be played or not. All of a sudden, all these people were saying, not only before it was like, yo, they should play, they should get through it, you know, whatever. All of a sudden, this talking came up of how it's actually safer for the players to play football in college than it is for them not to play because they'd be going home and who knows what happens. There are all this crap. All of a sudden, all these people on Twitter are saying this. And if you think about it, it's even beyond the pandemic. There are actually people arguing with a straight face that playing football is safer than not playing football, <laughs> which is literally the stupidest thing well, imaginable well, that anybody could say. That has what I took a lot. I've seen a lot of that shit. What I took from yeah. it, what pissed me off was they're saying that these players are either so dumb or in such bad situations that if they go home, they're automatically going to get in trouble. They're automatically going to, you know, go rob a liquor store or something stupid. I mean, give the players a little bit of credit. Yeah. I mean, if you're not doing a complete bubble, then what does it make you going to go home? So I, See, I took away that they're all complete degenerate right, gamblers. Exactly. They don't give a shit. They just want to have college football to gamble on. But when you <laughs> when you treat these players like commodities instead of people, that's the way you think. Don't even get me started on yeah. that. That would be a whole other podcast. <laughs> Callie, final thoughts? I don't know. Reds don't look great. It's been tough watching a lot of these games. But here we are, still doing it. Still going on. I don't know. That's about all I got. It's just not been not been an ideal season. David Bell is not not optimal, but hey, still fans, still here watching. Yeah, we can bitch all we want, but we're still watching. <laughs> Branch, final thoughts. I'm trying to find some positives. Some people are playing better. You know, Disco got rocked, but they did. Actually, the bullpen didn't like blow it, so that was kind of nice. 
Um, and make it like 15 to nothing or whatever. Um, I, right now, this Reds team is not a team that can win in the playoffs. I'm not saying they can't be, but as of right now, they're not. Um, and we got 40 games to watch to see if they figure it out. So, you know, we'll keep on plugging away at it, I guess. Keep on keeping on. Uh, for my final thoughts, I just want to uh, tell everybody to be safe. Uh, mind the uh, restrictions so that you don't infect yourself or your family or unsuspecting coworkers or a stripper who slaps you across the face. So <laughs> for hey Guy and Branch and Callie, this is Coop saying we will talk to you later. Cincinnati, Ohio.